Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Blast Podcast, a show where we believe movies can be more than just movies. I'm your host, Steve Watts, joined as always by my co-host, Empathy is Weakness. Today, we're going to be talking about David Fincher's newest Netflix original film, The Killer. Before we dive into what we've watched this week, let's hear a word from our sponsor. As always, The Blast Podcast is presented by The Blast app, which is going to be available sooner than you may realize. Make sure you're following our Instagram page at Blast underscore movies underscore, our TikTok at Blast.movies, and our YouTube channel at Blast.movies to stay up to date on all of our latest content. There you'll find podcast clips, movie ticket reviews from Ty and myself, and up-to-date news on the progress of the app. Lastly, please make sure to check out our app's landing page at Blastmovies.net, where you can learn more about what Blast is going to be. All right, Ty, let's hear it. You have a good week or a bad week? Better than usual. I, I watched uh, two movies. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for me. So, but no new watches. I ripped FNAF for the third time because my youngest <laughs> sister wanted to watch it. So we streamed it again. She hated it. Same as my brother. We had the same complaints. But it was like a nice full circle moment. We she had said that she watched some of the clips that we had we had cooked up from the pod and agreed with a lot of our decisions and rewrites and nice. takes on the movie. So that was nice. Then on my own, I had a lot of downtime at work this week, and I had like a two-hour block to myself. So why don't I throw on a movie? Netflix is showing across the Spider-Verse right now. I just wanted to put it on for the opening scene. So 10 minutes, I'll just throw it on and watch Gwen Stacy's thing and you know, I don't know, pick a new movie. I was thinking maybe talk to me since I hadn't seen that yet, but got to the point where O'Hara tosses her the glove or like the, the watch mm-hmm. and she, and it cuts to miles. I was locked in. I watched the entire movie start to finish. <laughs> it's still a perfect 10 out of 10 for me. It's still in my top 10. I don't see it leaving it anytime soon. Love that movie. That leaves your top 10 when beyond the spider verse comes out. E- I don't know, dude. I am. Where do you stand? Like when that movie drops and it's anything north of like a seven and a half out of 10, is it solidified as the greatest trilogy of all time? Um, I mean, it's tough. I think it's solidified as the greatest superhero trilogy of all time. I think then it passes Batman begins dark Knight, dark Knight rises, but dude, I can't in good faith, put anything above the before trilogy. Yeah, I, I suppose that's what I meant. And now that I've seen the Before Trilogy, I, I think I agree with you. Nice. That's about as close, close to perfect as it gets. Awesome. But those were those were my two movies. But I do also want to shout out, I did watch the new episode of Invincible. Wasn't as good as the first episode. I'm curious to see what they're doing in this season. A lot of, a lot of build up towards a finale instead of one, like one-off good stories, which I think they did a good job in the first season with. I'm still enjoying it. I'm still looking forward to the next episode, but a little weary. I don't think it's going to live up to season one. So I got two things to talk about Invincible Eyes. I still haven't watched any of this season. Um, I'm waiting until it all comes out. But Jake told me that they're doing the first four episodes and then taking like a two or three month break. Um, So I might have to watch the first four when they come out and then kind of chunk play it. Um, But awesome blast story. 
uh, I went to Spencer, one of my friend's houses, uh, to watch Thursday night football last week. And Jake came with me. He's the biggest Invincible fan I know. He (laughs) watches it every Thursday night with his girlfriend. And it gets to be, I think, like the second quarter of the game. And he's like, all right, guys, I'll just be in the kitchen for for a few minutes and he sits there and he party watched invincible episode two in the middle of the game, just chilling at Spencer's house with his girlfriend. It was, it was fun. I respect it. I respect that a lot. Speaking of blast stories, talk about people understanding what I mean by blast story. I had a touch point with all of the other rotationals in my like supply chain group um, at my job. So there's like four of us. And one of them in the call, we were just catching up on things. It was like, Hey, Ty, I have a blast story and I couldn't believe that someone brought that up to me, but biggest smile on my face. She brought up like the event that was hunger games back in the day with the new movie coming out. Like, Oh, I just, I like, I remember watching the trailer. I remember going with my family and my girlfriends and seeing them like run out into the cornucopia, like the center part in the first movie. I, I thought that was cool. Like someone like thought of a great viewing experience and call it out as a blast moment. That, that's, that was cool. That's awesome. I have another blast story, but I'm going to go through what I watched first. Um, I kicked this movie off. I've been kind of sick all week, so I, I revisited some comfort stuff. I watched Scooby-Doo Haunted Hall Holidays, um, which is like a Christmas Scooby-Doo crossover thing. Then I watched The Big Sleep, which is one that I actually haven't seen before. Um my parents talk about it all the time. Finally checked it out. Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. It was fine. Um, for me, like the the mystery genre has kind of capped out with some of David Fincher's stuff. Like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I think, is probably my favorite mystery of all time. And this one, it just feels kind of cut and paste with all those other like kind of noir movies that were coming out at the time. Like they kind of had a formula for even the way to shoot these with like the, the drastic shadows, the chiaroscuro lighting, like all the stuff that kind of become a trademark of the, of the genre. And so I guess this was a pioneer in that, but like as a present viewer, not really caring about the history, I don't think it's too special for me. I mean, can't really speak to it, obviously, because, you know, you're a little more seasoned than me. I haven't seen this one. So, uh, I don't know. Is it worth it? Is it a Thai movie? That's my question. I don't think it is. Um, It's got some good twists and turns. It's actually written by uh, the guy who wrote As I Lay Dying. I want to say William Faulkner, um, but I'm not positive on that. I get him and Jeffrey Chaucer confused a lot. Two similar of names. Anyways, moving on. Next movie I watched was Scoob. The new one. Um, And this is one where I was feeling like absolute shit. And I went up to my room, put something on the TV that I could take a nap uh, while it was playing and wouldn't be like mad if I missed anything. And I picked Scoob. (laughs) I've never seen this before. The beginning, I loved. Um, I, I really enjoyed the first like 20 minutes of this movie. Fell asleep, woke up, watched the rest hated the rest. Um, so kind of a shame there. I think they did a lot of things wrong. They split up Scooby and Shaggy from the rest of the gang. And I think that's where the movie kind of goes wrong uh, for the most part. What is your favorite Scooby-Doo movie? Oh, that's a tough question. 
I think Ooh. it might be Scooby-Doo Camp Scare. Um, I, I think that's that's up there for me, at least. I have a nostalgia towards the first Freddie Prinze one, okay. but I, I'm leaning the Batman and Robin special that I had on VHS as a kid. That's like a go-to for me. Hell yeah. Um, Scooby-Doo just makes me feel very comforted, especially in the wintertime and like kind of fall into winter, I guess. Anyways, last night I rounded off the week watching the original Godzilla. Uh, this one was interesting to me. It was not at all as I, what I was expecting. I've never seen any Godzilla movie. So this Whoa. was a first for me. Yeah. Okay, that's funny because I have like vivid memories of going to my grandma's house. She goes to bed at like 8.30. So I have her Comcast, like the old Comcast with like the blue bars and like Encore Stars, HBO. You could go into those. All right, sweet. I'm like seven years old at the time. And they had all the classic Godzillas. Had no idea what was going on, but I would watch them to see like who Godzilla would laser beam. I used to be so afraid of Godzilla as a kid. Like there are some wonky ones from back in the day i'm not really i'm not in tune with like the newer stuff i watched the first one with cranston i saw godzilla vs kong they're fine i i don't love this not a big monster movie guy but i do remember loving the godzilla movies as a kid see what shocked me going in was i was expecting just like kind of a cut and paste monster movie and um i was surprised by how much political commentary was packed in um kind of wild okay there we go from an old one I yeah love it. yeah might revisit some of the others in the or or see for the first time some of the others in the series anyways let's talk about the killer this is what the pod is about what was your watch experience like for this movie this was in netflix or on netflix and in limited theaters so i don't know yeah i got hosed i I live in Milwaukee. The closest one was, you know, an hour and a half away. I wanted to go see it in a theater. So that wasn't going to happen. I had already made plans with my uncle Matt to see it together. Couldn't see it in the theaters because, again, we both live in Milwaukee. Just a tough swing. So we decided to do a Netflix viewing party. So I we had set the showtime for 7 o'clock. But in theater fashion, the the actual movie did not start until about 7.20, Then mm-hmm. we got We got there. Um, had like a quick snack, sat down, and we each picked a trailer to watch. And he picked a limited series that's on Netflix. Couldn't I want to say it's Sean Levy as the director. Ruffalo is one of the leads. It's like takes place during World War II. Couldn't tell you the name, but very interesting, great cinematography. It's one of those limited series I think I would actually give a shot. Looks like it's really well crafted. So be on the radar for that, be on the lookout. And then the trailer I showed um was waves it's one of my favorites uh sterling brown he's a big fan of him so i thought it'd be a good one to show and that trailer with the frank ocean in the background it's a top five trailer for me it's a good one it it might be top three for me man that's an all-timer yeah i I, hard to argue with that like top three movie trailer top three movie maybe ever i i it's a good one it's it's an all-timer love it yep so Movie finally starts, though, after 25, 30 minutes. 
nothing really notable happens after that. Um, this was a run of the mill Netflix watch. It was kind of like watching extraction for me, just like sat through it and dialed in minus the fun, but we can, we can dive into that a little bit later. The only big like viewing experience moment here, uh, uncle Matt has a dog, a, a like a puppy, maybe, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half old, but she was sleeping right, right at our legs during the movie. And there's a scene where Fassbender's character goes to Florida to go handle some business with a, a colleague or with a coworker. And this coworker has a dog and it starts barking at him. And Birdie, our dog, shoots up and starts yapping at the screen. And we, we both had a good laugh about that. Other than that, not a lot going on in the killer. We wrapped up and that was that. Awesome. Um, I think that I didn't even have as good of a watch experience as you. So this is uh, the, the first thing I wanted to say is the Netflix prices are fucking ridiculous right yeah. now. Oh, my God. I go on there. Well, for seven bucks, you can get it with ads and um, you don't get the best picture quality and you don't get the best sound quality. And you also maybe can stream on two devices and maybe not sometimes like that's insane then for 17 bucks a a fair price jump you get the (laughs) you get the like better picture quality and it, it, it i was flabbergasted by that um i will i would much rather pay for two months of max with ads than pay for one month of netflix premium or whatever you want to call it I completely agree. I'm trying to understand what the business model is here because their retention rate must suck. I mean, it's either fantastic and they have a lot of loyal customers that are willing to pay whatever price, but all of my friends, I mean, you and me, a lot of my crew kind of fed up with Netflix and the prices. So really curious to see what the strat is. Are they up in the prices because their customer count is low? I, it's a mess and it will course correct, I would hope. But if not, they're, they're going to lose a lot of business. Yeah, um, I party watched this movie with Morgan and I had the opportunity to drive like 30, 45 minutes to see it in a theater. But since I was sick, I didn't want to expose everybody else. Um, again, nothing really eventful, though. And this is just not a blast movie for me in any any type. No, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like my three check marks for a blast movie. Notable viewing experience. Maybe, maybe we got something here. There was a couple few moments that were fun. Did it teach me anything? No. Did it make me feel anything? Definitely not. Um, the only thing I really learned from this movie is that a new Sigma character, a new literally me character has been unlocked. Fassbender's <laughs> the killer is definitely a Sigma here. Yeah, he absolutely is. In my, in my notes, I wrote down, quote, empathy is weakness, unquote. And then as a sub bullet, I put, this is Ty. <laughs> it's funny you say that because when he's giving this monologue of the, the empathy is weakness thing, I started to laugh because I was like, oh, wow, this is literally me going to the gym. <laughs> Can't make it up. I was like, going to say three weeks from now, you're going to say, actually, this is a blast movie. I've been working out to it every morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it's hard to hard to argue against that like even him like 
eating something as simple as a hard-boiled egg before he goes on a job. Like, okay, yeah, I drank five raw eggs before I went to the gym today. So that that's about the same. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, I need help. I need, I need, I need help. Yes, you do. Um... But the killer, like any notable call-outs here, like it's funny. This is a David Fincher movie. I'm super pumped to see it. Thought there would be a lot to unpack, but I think that's what the frustration is here. This was a run-of-the-mill, just a perfectly okay time, and I was expecting a lot more out of a Fincher movie. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that I've seen in a lot of like Letterboxd reviews or IMDb reviews is that, oh, well, it, you have to respect the director for going in and making a genre piece when he's so well-established. And to me... I feel like the best directors are able to make those genre pieces something more. Like if you look at John Carpenter, who is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, his entire career is genre pieces and they're all so individual. Like I can name you what stands out from each and every one of those movies um, that he's made. And even in Fincher's past work, like the girl with the dragon tattoo is 1000% just a genre piece. It's just a mystery. And I think it works phenomenally. And it, like I said uh, at the beginning of this pod, it's my favorite mystery of all time. Yeah, I, I think you're making a lot of great points here. I would even like look to a movie as simple as like Panic Room that is kind of a really good like uh, break-in movie. Um, very run-of-the-mill, simple concept, but there's a lot more fun to be had here. I did not have a ton of fun with this movie. I think that was quote-unquote the point but I don't care like I I hate when people get upset about that the one thing I keep coming back to is that there was no um no no flavor here nothing to really unpack and I think people are a little upset with that take but that's what I like in a movie I I like to when the credits roll say like okay there's something here to to really dive into and that's why I'm frustrated yeah, I, I agree. I see in your notes you wrote down, was this boring? And I think it, it might be. Um, there's There was a point early on where it was like, oh, we're just going to see like the monotonous day-to-day life of a serial killer. And I thought it could work as like a comedy. And then it went in a completely different direction through the rest of the movie. That was in like the first five minutes that I thought that. But I, I found myself saying like, okay, this, this has taken a while to get going. And then there is a point, like you said, where the killer is in Florida and I was like, oh wow. Okay. This is, this is going now. Um, it's an awesome, it's just I'm, no spoilers at all, but this is, there's a fight scene in an action movie and it's awesome. It's shot really well. You can feel the power behind all of the punches. You get a good idea of where everything in the house that they're in is. So you can kind of track where they're going throughout this entire thing. I thought it was great. And then after that, it's back into like a kind of just a lull. Yeah, I I couldn't say it better. That was the one great scene here. And I don't know if the movie necessarily needed more action scenes. I mean... You could go that route. That could be great. But if you're going to go this more, I can't even call it nuanced route, but boring route. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to call it. Just the meta route. There's a lot of dialogue, people sitting in a diner. Like most of the time, this stuff would work. But 
I didn't feel it. And maybe that's because I was sitting on a couch and not in a theater. But again, like with Fincher movies, I'm going there to see a technical masterpiece. I'm not sure that like the sound design and the editing here would have been felt and made more special in a theater. I didn't feel that with this movie. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned that there was a lot of dialogue in this. There's really just a lot of monologuing. Like, I I found this interesting and frustrating for me is um, when the killer is alone, we have a constant narration of him mostly just saying nonsense. And then when he gets into a situation with other characters, he's completely silent. And... I think that this maybe works better if he's just in that silence the entire time. I did not, I think the narration kind of ruined a lot of this for me. Um, Like if he's, so think about the beginning and uh, again, not really any spoilers here, but this opens up with the killer kind of going about his day to day and getting ready to like carry out a hit. And I think that if it's just total silence and you're seeing the, just like the brutal, like kind of, uh, mechanicality of it almost like he's just like a machine going through these motions and doing this every day, then I think that maybe works a little bit better for the character. I'm, I'm not in disagreement. I'll push back on one thing before that. I I think to your point, if there's anyone that could play an actor that doesn't speak, I think Fassbender proved that he could do it. I thought he did a really good job here yeah. speaking a lot without speaking. He does a lot with his eyes, a lot with his gestures. I think he's really good here, and that narration kind of steals from his performance a bit. My one thing is I think there's a running theme throughout the movie, kind of a gag where this killer that is dead set on being precise and all about perfection a lot goes wrong and he contradicts and he's very hypocritical um, as far as his key, I guess, motives or objectives when he goes and takes on a mission. It's all about, you know, empathy is weakness, but sometimes he shows empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, don't improvise, anticipate. He has to do a lot of improvising here. Um, he, there's one line where he suggests, like, don't work for anything that you're not paid for. He does that for almost the majority of the movie. So, I think like that snid, like tidbit of him listing his rules and then contradicting them throughout the movie, I think that part is important. Mm-hmm. The long, dragged-out monologue at the beginning, maybe not so much. That's fair. I, I do get that. I would have liked to see that maybe too. Um, I don't know. Part of another problem I have with the narration, I guess is the number of brands that he like kind of shouts out or that have their logo like come into focus for the camera. And this is just one time watching through. I counted how many I saw. I set an over under for you at 19.5. Oh God, it does it get that bad. Or is this like a Vegas trap line? Um, uh, I'm, I feel like you're trying to make a point here. I'm going to go over. Yes, there were 23 that I noticed on first watch, and I wrote them all down. We have McDonald's, we have Airbnb, Asus, 
FedEx, ZQuill, Kia, Cadillac, Mitsubishi, Dell, Advil, Enterprise, Jeep, Haagen-Dazs, Mercedes, Starbucks, Giordano's, Marriott, Amazon, Wordle, Browning, Smith & Wesson, Colt, and Postmates. Ouch. Ouch. I will say, a little pushback here. A lot of those, yes. Kind of BS, clear product placement. I think some of it is story-related or trying to make a point. Like, this guy is a paid assassin. He is the best of the best as far as you give me a person to kill, I'm going to take care of it. I think the point that Fincher is trying to make or the script is trying to make is that these things that we have in our lives that we love to consume and use because they're so convenient can also be our downfall. Like There are a lot of people that are vulnerable or susceptible to being killed in this movie because of things as simple as NyQuil or even Amazon lockers. There are, I think that was kind of the point there with some of the product placement. Others, I think you're, I think you're onto something. I mean, yeah, like the one that stood out to me, I think the absolute most was when he's renting a car and then it just zooms in on the Enterprise logo on the keys and you're like, okay. Yeah, not great. But hey, Fincher need to get that budget. You know what's funny? It's a big budget movie. I did not feel that at, I didn't at points either. in this movie. No. Maybe it was like the type of camera that was used, but it felt maybe it was just because it was digital. I don't know. It not saying it looks sloppy. It, like the the filming itself looked clean. I just felt like the quality at times suffered. I have one more thought to to add to this conversation. And this is that the whole movie feels more like a netflix original than it does a david fincher film and i think that is like the biggest crime that this commits well i'm glad you brought that up because we're going to introduce a new segment today and this is one that i feel like we've done in our past before blast before this podcast we would text each other comps for movies we did a bracket we did a march madness comp for movies a long time ago Mm -hmm. so i want to bring back comps for a movie and my first comp for The Killer is actually a Netflix original, funny enough. This movie is essentially The Gray Man, that weird, wonky, not good, bland action movie with assassins with Ryan Gosling. There are a lot of memes and funny stuff that have come out of that movie. I don't think that happens here with this movie. I think with The Killer, that bland, bleak tone is there where these assassins are all about business but there's no there's nothing funny to lean on after the fact. That's I, I like that. For me, I wrote down this is John Wick without the fights in the world building. It's <laughs> right. It's the same shit, man. It's the same shit. Another great one. I I one I keep coming back to is Dunkirk with no flavor. Dunkirk, <laughs> similar to the killer, has zero character work. None. But Christopher Nolan does this cool thing with time, as he always does. The story is broken out into three different time segments. I think it's like a couple days, an hour, and like, what, a week? And it's all brought in together, and it makes the movie more interesting. There is nothing like that here. There's no character work and no oomph, no flavor to make you come back to it. Yeah, I said that this is the girl with the dragon tattoo without the mystery. It's oh. it's essentially just anything stripped of the interesting parts. 
we're just we're just twisting the knife on this movie. We're just we really twisting are, the knife. yeah. And these these cops are going to get progressively worse. Um, another one I keep coming back to. This is my favorite: Syracuse basketball, <laughs> but not Syracuse basketball in its prime. I'm talking like 2020, 2021. This team is painfully mid. They're probably a 14 seed in March Madness, but they're going to get in. They're going to run their zone to death, and it's going to bore you. It's going to bore the other team, but it's fundamentally sound. You can't knock them. You can't knock Bayheim. You can't knock Fincher. That's where I'm at with this movie. Realistically, isn't it SDSU basketball last year? Because this is going to carry Fincher to like a best director nom. I just know it, and I think that's absurd. You can't stop the Aztecs. <laughs> um, the last comp I had is also in the in the sports world. I said this is the Steelers' offense. This is <laughs> Matt Canada. <laughs> yeah, Matt Canada is David Fincher. It just really struggles to maintain any sort of momentum throughout the entire thing, and you're left just feeling like, oh, let's let's finish it up here. Is Michael Fassbender? Um... Is he Kenny Pickett? Like, who does he end up being in this situation? <laughs> Pat Fryermuth. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Tomlin is is uh, is Fincher, maybe. Like, just like stud dealing with a bunch of bullshit, a bad OC. Yeah, the the OC is Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one more comp for you. Door dashing McDonald's on a Sunday when you're really hungover. Now. Think, uh, think of it this way. Before, when you're really hungry, you feel like dog shit, but you need food. What better than ordering McDonald's? The thought of it. Okay, the thought of this movie is great. I'm really pumped to eat McDonald's. I'm really pumped to watch The Killer. Okay, the food gets here, and now I'm eating it. It feels really good. Wow, this double cheeseburger is awesome. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm having fun here. This is, you know, I feel good. You know, as you get to that, like, last cheeseburger, last chicken nugget and fry, you start to feel like shit again. And then the food is all gone. The movie's over. And you ask yourself, why did I do that? That was <laughs> a meh decision. There you go. That's that's awesome. I, I saw that in the notes before this, and I, I was cracking up. <laughs> it's so true, dude. Every Sunday, there's always that one decision where you're like, God damn it. There's like... Thinking about McDonald's and then post-eating McDonald's, they are two very different experiences. <laughs> I wanted to introduce a new uh, a new segment just for this pod, though. The Killer has a number of chapters throughout, which I think do not add anything to the movie as a whole. But there's, it's just like chapter two, Santo Domingo, The Hideout. So I want to ask you, Ty, what is your life in four The Killer-style chapters? Oh, God. Um, this is actually a really easy segment. I don't know if we're going to you know, keep it you know, for each pod, but I think it's fitting for this one, given that The Killer is literally me. <laughs> but my life, and my friends have this running joke that my life and who I am as a person has changed with my haircuts. So... Chapter one is Bieber hair tie. And <laughs> I, I don't feel like I need to set up anything here. This is like sophomore year of high school. Me just had an absolute mop going. And then junior year, chapter two, I would say that was long hair tie. And I had the mop, but I started to, you know, 
you know, slide it over. But I had some crazy wings going out of my football helmet before <laughs> senior year. It was pretty sweet. Then I went through some serious Sigma shit and short hair tie was born. Chopped it all off, had like a little baby spike. And I let that grow for like five years. I was rocking that up until about, let's say six months ago, where I decided, all right, you're not going to therapy. You're going to grow your hair out. That's something <laughs> you can do. So now we're in chapter four, and that would be wavy hair tie. It's got, it's got some baby wings going, but you know, I'd say this is a pretty good wave. So I think that's a good signal for the final chapter. Um, Morgan just got her hair cut, and <laughs> she's worried that our hair is two similar lengths now. Uh oh, that's trouble. <laughs> it is trouble. It is. My my life in killer style chapters is chapter one Oswego home this is the upbringing um of me chapter two middle school purgatory this was probably my least favorite like uh between like elementary school middle school and high school middle school absolutely least favorite do you agree with that yeah I mean it's hard to remember like elementary school but uh Middle school, yeah. Probably the biggest meh experience. I forgot you're really getting up there, losing your memory. Um, yeah, I'm getting old. <laughs> chapter three, high school, fun. This was the best schooling experience I, I ever had. And then chapter four, college. And as you know, hell. <laughs> Guys, if you ever get to sit down with Steve and listen to some of his college horror stories, it lord help you it is it is about as torturous as you can imagine hell doesn't describe it well enough they're insane i tried to think of another word and i just couldn't <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna name that school but oh boy yeah torture womp womp. oh yeah it'll, okay it'll be okay i see in our notes here that you <laughs> that you have added a section can you walk me through this yes so the topic that Steve has mentioned, I've already said it a couple of times here on this pod, but the killer is literally me. The killer is literally Ty. Now, it's been a running gag in the intro of all of these pods that Steve has a new name for me every single time. And I'd say about 80% of the time, it's some Sigma character that you've seen on TikTok, whether it's the character from Drive, played by Ryan Gosling, Robert Pattinson's The Batman, um, Travis Bickle. I mean, there's just, it, there's a laundry list of segments that I have become. And I think this is the new one. Now I have a lot of notes here, but bear with me. The, the killer, Michael Fassbender's character in this movie, he is all about precision and perfection, even if he can't obtain it. And that is all I am about. Every <laughs> single day when I wake up, it, well, first off, my wake up every day is 5.41 a.m. I can't explain why it's 41, but it's 41. It's just all about being precise, being intentional. You know, when I get up in the morning, there is no, there's no more hitting the snooze button. I need to hit the alarm off, get up, and go to the gym because that's what I need to do. I need to be intentional. Michael Fassbender, same way. He is stretching. He is prioritizing sleep. He, he's eating very clean all before his big job of killing someone. Now, I can't say that I'm, I'm killing anyone right now, but I would compare him assassinating people for money to me hitting legs on a Wednesday night or a Wednesday morning. I think that's about the same. 
Um, I already mentioned that he's eating clean, stretching and doing all that kind of stuff. But another great call out here. One of my favorite quotes from the movie that made me laugh. I find music a useful distraction, a focus tool. Keeps the inner voice from wandering. I have to ask, I forgot about this. The entire soundtrack to this movie is just the Smiths. <laughs> yes, the whole thing. The whole thing. What? And that's why it... Well, I mean, who cares about that? Um, I mean, I again, there are a lot of Easter eggs. A lot of the aliases are all like old 70s characters from TV shows. Uh, I'm going to break that down in like a separate video. Not, don't, no need to deep dive here in the pod. But um, similar with the Smiths. Like, I just don't care. But... I thought it was funny that this very precise perfectionist is listening to the same artist the entire time, because you can ask my roommate, you can ask anyone that I work out with, I will listen to the same song for an hour and a half. I'm not kidding you. I will pick one song and listen to it nonstop because that's what needs to happen. I can't have anything varying um, during my gym session. So that's another literally me moment. Okay. Now, we have mentioned that the killer has, like, this mantra where he's listing all of his rules for his jobs. I'm going to rattle these off because a lot of them are true to who I am. Stick to your plan. Every day I have a checklist of things I need to get done, I get them done. Anticipate. Don't improvise. If you know me, I always have plan B, C, D, E, F, and G ready at all times. No one can hurt me. I took a, a, a attitude or caliper assessment. It said I am 90, 95% skeptic. I, I have zero trust. I am always anticipating your next move. You can't beat me. Um, fight only the battle you're paid to fight. This, I, this is the only thing that probably isn't literally me because I feel like I go above and beyond in everything I do. Um, so that's my one, my one fault here. This is a great one. This is a great one. Forbid empathy. Yeah. Um, this is about as real as it gets. I, my, my heart is ice cold, and I am numb to all of that kind of nonsense. So forbidding empathy, that's real. <laughs> All right. More on empathy. Empathy is weakness. Weakness is vulnerability. Wow. How true is that in my life? I, I mean, gosh, my roommate can attest to this. Every single day, like it, once a day at least, I'm saying some bullshit like pain is a tool. Use it. Like do not succumb to your weaknesses. Do not succumb to your vulnerability. Um, yeah, I, I, I was cracking up this entire movie. The, the killer is literally me. So I have to ask you, Ty, as your good friend and business partner, what can I do to help you be happy? <laughs> uh, what can you do? Um, nothing. I, I am. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, not to go on like a non-movie tangent, but if you know me better than anyone, like I will do anything but go to therapy. I will wake up earlier to go to the gym. I will stick to like a, a strict schedule of all different things. I'll try and build a movie app business just for fun. Um, I'll do anything. So <laughs> I, I started out 4-0 in my fantasy league um, for my, my school buddies. 
and we have divisions in this league. And I was talking shit to the guy that was in last place. I was like, look, if you find a way to come back and steal the division from me and win it, I will go to therapy. I went on a three-game losing streak, and he has just stolen the division from me. I am now a game back with four weeks to go. I think this is a win-win for me. Either I win the division and I become happier because I accomplished something, or I lose and I have to go to therapy and fix whatever is wrong with me. The day you talk about your feelings, like the world is going to stop spinning. It's, it's going to be a momentous occasion. If I knew what was going on in my head, that would be one thing. I, I, I have no answers for you. But if someone went into my head and like was able to interpret what was going on, they would lose their minds. They would lose their minds. It's like the end of the lighthouse when he touches <laughs> and he touches the lighthouse. <laughs> and like has the freak out moment and like screams and falls down the stairs. That's what would happen to someone if they knew what was going on with me. Dude, I'd I'd love to see Inside Out from from Ty's brain. It'd be yeah. insanity. Um, <laughs> Ryan Gosling, the Batman, <laughs> Taxi Driver, Homelander, and the Killer. Those are your five emotions. <laughs> if I have any. Jesus Christ, man! All right, you mentioned in some of your opening notes that Michael Fassbender is great in this movie, but he feels very replaceable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I want to take turns rattling off some people we think could replace um, could replace Fassbender in this and do just as good of a job. All right. Are we rattling this off our list of one through five? Or are we bouncing? Let's bounce. Yeah. I took this part. I took this really seriously. Um I don't know why, because this movie could have been like a big meme, but it's not. Fincher wanted to do something serious and needed some some scary presence on the big screen. So the first one that came to mind easily for me was Daniel Kaluuya. Um, the performance that comes to mind when I think of him being stone cold and just an absolute threat despite anything he says, even if he doesn't say anything. It's his character in Widows, uh, Manning. Scary dude, if you ever seen that movie. He's so, I almost feel like he's too scary for the for the killer because we're trying to empathize with this guy too, you know? Okay, I mean maybe that character, but I think Kaluya yeah. has the chops to pivot. I just Definitely. think that's what was coming to mind. Yeah. I think Kaluya can play it. I got you. Okay. My first one is a pull from uh, from Indiana Jones 5. I think geriatric Harrison Ford could handle this role. <laughs> there is, I don't think, like, maybe there's a little difficulties in, like, the singular fight scene that occurs in this movie. But otherwise, I think he's perfect for it. <laughs> <laughs> Just that stern. Empathy is weakness. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then he'd be just grumpy man when he goes to like argue with a lawyer about what went wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's a good one. <laughs> um, definitely went a different route than me. I really went all out on these. Um, James McAvoy is someone, I, I, funny enough, it's his counterpart in the X-Men movies. Um, I really think McAvoy can pull this off. The character that comes to mind when thinking of it is Dennis 
from Split, one of the multiple personalities. He has like OCD, um, very uptight, well-dressed, very stone-cold face the whole time. I think that McAvoy has the chops to pull this off as well and be subtle, but also give a great performance. All right, at my two spot, again, a little different from you. Took this very seriously. One of Fassbender's X-Men counterparts in James McAvoy, the character that comes to mind. And again, McAvoy's got some serious chops. He's, he's jumped genre to genre throughout his entire career. But I think of his character from Split, uh, one of the different personalities, Dennis, the guy with OCD that's very uptight, well-dressed, stone-cold face. This is perfect for this role. I think he's a great talent as well. <laughs> what if on my list is <laughs> James McAvoy as the Beast? from split <laughs> just ripping just, the jail bars open climbing up the ceiling <laughs> bear crawling at people <laughs> um my next actual pick is a guy who you make fun of all the time on this pod stone-faced casey affleck if oh my. <laughs> if, if casey affleck shows up um in the same way he showed up for oppenheimer this is i think the exact same movie (laughs) well it's not even just him and oppenheimer in every role he's in it's (laughs) and he's (laughs) he's gonna win best actor i swear he is in too many top 10 like favorite actors list it's so frustrating he doesn't he is literally, I, I want our producer to plug the emoji right now in, in this hand. The the emoji I'm thinking of. The... <laughs> That's Casey Affleck in every role. Sorry, most frustrating actor right now for me. That's different conversation. I have made the argument in the past that Casey Affleck's performance in A Ghost Story is his best performance, and he is under the bedsheet the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, that's that's about as great as it gets. I cannot believe I missed that. I mean, that that's like a layup for me. Yeah. So, whatever. Um, at my three spot again, guy with a lot of range that people don't talk about. You know, maybe if the budget was a little bit tighter, you, you lean on this guy instead of a McAvoy or a Kluya. I think you go Taron Edgerton. I, I think he's got the chops too. He proved it in Blackbird. He, he's a little bit more than Kingsman. He's a little bit more than Elton John. I think he's got some serious range, but could pull off something as simple as this and have some nuance to it. Fair. Yeah, I like that. Um, my next pick is uh, in another layup. Uh, Ryan Gosling in Drive is, again, if, if he's plugged into this movie, it does not change at all. <laughs> literally none. It, no. it's, it's literally him. It's literally me. It, it's instead it's instead of I drive it's what do you do I kill <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a good one again another one that slipped my rate I mean that I think I thought about Gosling but since I made the joke about the gray man I kind of just you know brushed it off and took this very seriously for some reason I feel like the audience wouldn't have taken it seriously if it was Gosling so that's why I steered clear of him but um at my four spot Fassbender's a little bit older in this movie. And again, like I think someone that has range that can play like a precise kind of creepy guy, Matt Dillon, the house that Jack built. You haven't seen that movie. Kind of a weirdo. I Matt have. Dillon. Matt Dillon, uh, 
he's kind of a creepy guy in in some rules. He can pull it off. He can pull off like the the weird precise assassin. I think. I mean, when we're being honest, like a- anybody could, um, like like for the <laughs> most part. Like, Owen Wilson. We can sit here and rattle off all these names, but like if I were casting this, I might put John David Washington in in the lead role. Um, I can't get enough of him right now. I think he could absolutely be the Stone Cold Killer. Um, that said, my next pick is Jared Leto for his immaculate performance in Morbius. Um, nice. Just I, again, any Sigma, I think plug and plays real well in here. Um, Producer Jack just uh, just wanted to call out Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Jack Bauer <laughs> as the killer. I mean, this is perfect. I mean, yeah. Bauer loves to scream, but I don't know. You, you shut up. You shut up, Bauer. I think he could play. I think this works. <laughs> but um, no, my my unironic fifth and final choice here for the killer. We've talked about it before, dude. Just put me on the big screen. I mean, this is the living embodiment of me. I could kill this role, no problem. Honestly, you don't even have to give Ty a script. You can just follow him around with a camera for the day, and you're set. You think you're being funny. I, <laughs> this could play. Instead of the killer, it's called, like, I don't know, the, the gym guy. I, <laughs> the, I think it plays. Fair. Um, my last pick is... Definitely my most out there one, but uh, kind of going along with my whole anybody could feasibly do this role. Taking the the hit star from the hit movie Battleship, Rihanna. I think Rihanna could play the killer perfectly. <laughs> you cooked with this list. Thank you. you. This list. If we were measuring, you know, who had the better list of it, I think you got me. You got me beat again because it doesn't matter who's in this role. It's sad, yeah. And that's like, I I think that's a big problem that we might not have dived into enough in the non-spoiler thoughts, is that if a character is that bland and just like underdeveloped that anybody could feasibly step in and wouldn't change the movie, I think that's a big problem. No, no, that was the point. Bro, it's Fincher. Like, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. (laughs) Give me a break. Shut shut up. Go watch The Great Man. (laughs) All right, let's All right, talk about some Fincher movies that we actually do like because not too long ago, David Fincher won our best director's bracket. I don't know, yeah. after The Killer, that might actually change. Um, I know. But he is one of both of our favorite directors of all time. And so I, I want to ca- kind of cap off this pod with, with a David Fincher draft. We're going five movies, snake draft. If you want to lead it off, go ahead. Okay. I don't think, and what I love about Fincher is I think there's a legitimate argument for three, maybe four of his movies being the number one spot. And I think I can get away with not taking my favorite at the one, one. So at the one, one, I'm going to take the quote unquote chalk pick and I'm going seven. It's a great choice. Um, Honestly, maybe my favorite Brad Pitt performance um, I can make a case for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know I'm a much bigger fan of that movie than you are, but Morgan Freeman is acting his ass off in that too. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Spacey's a sore spot, but he's great in it too. Mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow, also sneaky good performance there. It works a little bit better that Spacey is the creepo killer. Yeah, that is true. 
That is true. Still hard for me to watch. We've talked about this before, but Spacey. Yeah. All right, I can't believe you let it fall to me then. At the <laughs> with my first pick, I got to take Alien Three. <laughs> Good, great pick. Thank great you, pick. thank you. Um, no, I I have to go Fight Club um, at the at, with my first. Um, I, oh. I I I do really enjoy this movie, and I think that it has gotten to be a little bit overrated, and it's almost a dangerous movie to make and i have like kind of trouble forming thoughts about this but when a director puts something out that's satire without making it incredibly clear that it's satire it feels like an interesting decision um so the fight club obviously is a very much a commentary film um and a lot of people take it at face value and say i'm i'm literally ed norton in in fight club um i would never i've never said that really i've never i've i've never said i'm literally tyler durden (laughs) i've heard it a lot um i'm steve i'm kidding this is an all-time segment movie seriously okay fair i'm again sick sick yes i mean yes obviously this movie is supposed to be satire I, i i like the point that you're making that when falling into the wrong hands this can get messy and I think I have to trust that you're not going to take a couple of my picks here because with my next choice, I got to go the social network. Oh, thank God. Great choice. Um, but I was dead set on going Zodiac. This oh, movie nice. is my favorite Fincher movie. It's a great retelling of that story in a proper fashion. I mean, how do I explain this? The Zodiac Killer was never discovered, and I'm so glad that Fincher handled it that way and uncovered the mystery of the Zodiac Killer without uncovering the Zodiac Killer. It's hard to explain, but I think it's well-crafted. Hall and Downey Jr. are fantastic. There are mm-hmm. a lot of great side characters as well. This is, without a doubt, one of those movies that scarred me for a long time. This is my favorite Fincher movie. The only thing that draws me back from Zodiac is it's like three plus hours long, isn't it? It's, I think it's like two hours and 50 minutes. It's a long, it's, it's a mission. It's a mission. It is. So I'm glad, I'm glad we've gotten to this point. So I mentioned before the pod or before the movie draft that Fincher has like three, like one, a one B one C's and they're all off the board. Now seven social network and Zodiac right under there. That's where I throw fight club. That's where I've always stood. Okay. I think it's great, but I think it's just a slight tier under those three, but we've, we've hit all the great ones, but there is one also very great one that we have not talked about yet at the turn. My third pick, I'm going to go gone girl. I really, really like gone girl. Ben Affleck gives a great performance. So does Rosamund Pike. She might be one of my favorite villains of all time. Just an absolute psychopath that I was legitimately afraid of. She's finally coming back. I haven't seen her in a movie since Con Girl, um, but I'm pretty sure she's in a supporting role in Saltburn, if you've seen the trailers for that. I have not. Um, stars Barry Keegan and Jacob Elordi. I think it, it looks oh, yeah. really good. Um, so yeah. I'm excited to see her back on the big screen. Yeah, she's got some serious chops, but I think that was Fincher flexing his muscles. I just it break, I was maybe a little too young to see that movie. It came out in 2014, but it would have been a great theater movie. I missed out on 
another great genre film too um which leads me straight into my third pick which is the girl with the dragon tattoo i'm so glad you didn't take this um i mean this is i i revisit this i think more than any other fincher movie i love it so much i have i think every movie we've talked about on dvd um in this shelf sitting next to me but i'm not going to pull them all out for for time's sake um this I, I love Kaluuya. Rooney Mara is one of my favorite actresses um, of our generation. I love her in a ghost story, obviously. Um, but this movie, I think, from top to bottom, is a perfectly crafted mystery, it, just like Gone Girl is. It's hard to argue with that. It's a it's a great movie. One that like just really deserved like a great sequel. I don't know. I, I think yeah, they kind of fumbled on that. Um, I don't know. Did you ever watch like the girl in the spider's web? I think that's no. the sequel to it. I never watched it either. It never got any buzz. Um, following up <laughs> the girl with the dragon tattoo. I have a tough decision because I think this is another pretty big drop off after those six. And I think I'm between two here. I think I'm going to go with the game. I like the game mm. quite a bit. Um, it's not up to par with with the rest of Fincher's stuff, but it is a fun, wild time. You s- still don't know what's happening the entire time. You're kind of just getting whipped around the same way the character is, and I think that's really cool. Uh, the payoff is the only thing that kind of uh, draws me back from it. Yeah, hard to argue with that. That's probably what my choice was going to be, but since it's not, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. In my fourth round pick, I'm going to go the Netflix series Mindhunter. Now, this isn't one that you've seen. I'd recommend it. It's actually very good, and it deserves to get renewed, but Netflix canceled it for God knows what reason, probably budget cuts or something. But it's Fincher at his best. I think it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Noted. Yeah, I have not seen it, but I'm not going to get Netflix. So <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> then maybe find a different site. Yeah. But a conversation for a different day. And then at the five spot, again, we're, we're getting slim pickings here. I'm going to go Panic Room. It's a movie I watched Damn. as a kid. My mom loves it. I think it's a sneaky good five five spot. Fun watch. I, that's that's what I got to go with. Dude, that leaves me with such, such a bad spot here. My last pick, I have the choice of The Killer, <laughs> Mank, <laughs> The Curious Case of <laughs> Benjamin Button, and Alien 3. Ty and I were talking before this pod about the curious case of Benjamin Button. I have never seen this movie, but I own a Criterion edition of the DVD. And this is simply because I saw it for 99 cents at at a DVD store. And I was like, oh, 99 cent Criterion. Hell yeah. That is unbelievable. That's that's some serious value. Barnes and Noble. Get on your shit. 99 cent Criterions would be a, a crazy play. I so I haven't seen Benjamin Button. I haven't seen Mank. I yeah, I think I have to go with Alien, Alien 3, Three here. Actually, like <laughs> ironically, and I actually I I read a lot about this movie because um, apparently the studios really like got involved and kind of screwed it up. Um, but he was I, I believe that's his first movie, is it not? It is. Yeah. 
So I get like not trusting a, a first time director, but I would have loved to see what his take on that franchise would have been if um if the studios didn't get involved. So I guess I guess with my fifth pick I'm taking the concept of Alien Three. <laughs> hey, do what you gotta do, man. That's that's a tough that's a tough swing. But yeah. I'd say both both of our lineups are, are well rounded here. I think we have a good championship matchup here in fourteen weeks. Honestly, yeah. Um I don't I, again it's it's strange to see now that we're looking at his filmography as like a whole kind of the massive drop-offs between each tier um like you said there are those three like 1a 1b's and after that it's kind of uh like a, a few more that are really good and then it's kind of just a crapshoot you've got your like solidified is it like four or five you've got seven zodiac social network gone girl fight club and then the dip. Like, I think a lot of, like, I don't know where I would plug the killer. Like, it's probably somewhere around Panic Room. It's in that lower tier. I, uh, I think this this is miles worse than Panic Room. When's the last time you saw Panic Room? Oh, God, man. Ten years? Wow. Yeah, it's, um, watched it. I, I, I think I revisited it only, like, a year ago. Um, but Kristen Stewart does a great job as as like a child actor in it weirdly Jodie Foster's awesome um I, I the concept as a whole I think works really well um if you haven't listened to the rewatchables episode on it I also recommend that because that's that was a fun listen all right good to know um anyways is there anything else you want to add to the killer conversation before I close this out empathy is weakness go to therapy um thank you all for listening to this episode of the blast podcast be sure to check out our website at blastmovies.net to stay up to date on all our latest content and news as well as our instagram at blast underscore movies underscore and our tiktok at blast.movies where we're posting podcast clips we'll catch you guys next week <laughs>